0: Welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, where we love to encourage you to build intimacy with Christ. We'll bring you insights and teachings to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, ultimately becoming the strong godly woman you were created to be. Here's Ashley Pope Todorova. So welcome ladies to our Ladies Who Love Christ Acts Bible Study. Tonight we are in session five and we're going to be looking at Paul's, uh, taking a deeper look, I should say, at Paul's second missionary journey. If you're new to the ministry, we're so grateful to have you here. My name is Ashley Pope I'm the founder. And I have a wonderful team of women that just do so much to help. And we, our goal is to help you build intimacy with Jesus above all else. So if you're new here, hit the subscribe button, go back and watch our archive of teachings and videos. And we're so grateful to have you. So we're gonna go ahead and get started. Tonight's vocal passages, and we're gonna open in prayer. Tonight's vocal passages, we're gonna be in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. And we're going to study all the way through Acts chapter 18, verse 22. So tonight, is a little bit more in, in terms of uh, the verses that we're going to cover. It's a little bit more than we typically do in a week, but I'm so excited for this because we're going to really unpack step by step what Paul encountered on his second missionary journey and what we, as ladies who love Christ, can glean and garner from this and how we can apply it right now, right here, to our lives. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for what you're doing here at Ladies Who Love Christ. I am so aware, really so aware of how how, um, ill-equipped I am. And I'm never more aware of that than when I sit down to teach your precious and holy word. I pray, Lord, that you just show up and you take over this teaching. You know all of these women intimately, where I wish that I could know them all personally. I don't. We get together from all over the world, literally. And so, Lord, I just pray that you meet her where she's at, Lord. Um, Help her to learn from your scriptures, not from all the things that are are speaking into our lives daily, but Lord, to learn from you and to learn from your word, because to know your will, Heavenly Father, we all want to know your will. To know your will is to know your word. I'm so grateful for what you're doing here at this ministry. It blows me away. There's nothing that I could do apart from you. So Lord, just show up like you always do and take over. It's in Jesus, beautiful and precious and holy name, I pray. Amen. All right. So we're digging right in. Now, I have to just quickly preface this, gals. If you do not have a book, don't stress it. Don't worry. Get your Bible and get something to take notes. That is how we roll here at Ladies Who Love Christ. These are stress-free studies. So get your Bible, get something to take notes. I already read the focal passages. Um, Heather, you're gonna see Heather on Zoom and on Facebook. She's amazing. She sits here and literally note takes for us the entire session so that I don't have to stop. So if you missed anything or you have any questions, heather's going to be jotting it in the comments section so we're going to turn in the book if you have it if not don't worry i'm going to read it we're going to turn to the context section and we're just quickly going to breeze through paul's second missionary journey and what that looked like and then we're going to go verse by verse tonight we're going to do something a little bit different i always go i always go verse by verse i like to read in time culture and context always 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 do not slapstick scripture Um, But tonight, we're going to go more verse by verse together and really impact what it is um, Paul went through and what we can learn from that. So on page 85, Luke records that time um, that came for the second missionary journey. Barnabas and Paul had a sharp disagreement. So right out of the gate, Barnabas and Paul had a very sharp disagreement regarding John Mark, concerning John Mark. Barnabas wanted to take his nephew, but Paul refused, citing the young man's desertion during the first evangelistic endeavor thus in the sovereignty of god two missionary teams were formed there was paul and cyrus and there was barnabas and mark now when i say the sovereignty of god when you hear sovereignty and some of you know this you've been walking with the lord for many years but some of you don't sovereignty means god's complete authority that means he is sovereign he's completely in authority and in control overall there are some foundational things that when we study god's word we need to understand them because That means that nobody else in our lives is going to have that control or that authority. As ladies who love Christ, we know that God is sovereign. He is in complete and utter authority and control overall. And thus, that changes the way that we make our decisions. That changes the way that we think about our lives. That changes the things that we do and we do not do. So Paul and Silas, Barnabas and Mark, these two missionary teams, Um, split and went on their own way. Um, The two teams uh, departed Antioch in two separate directions. No further word was given as far as the results of Barnabas and Mark, but we know that they went and they did their own efforts. Paul and Silas returned to the churches of Asia Minor. At Lystra, Paul met Timothy, who became a beloved and dependable colleague. Now, I want you to turn in God's word to Acts chapter 15, verse 6. Acts chapter um No, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. I thought I changed that everywhere. I was writing the wrong chapter. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. I want you to turn there. And it says, and they passed through the Thijian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So as we talked about last week, we looked deeper at fasting and prayer, and we looked at the role that fasting and, pl- and prayer uh, played in Paul's journey. It played an integral role as much in the second journey, missionary journey, as it did the first, okay? So he was in tune and listening to the Holy Spirit. All right, so that's very important. Acts sixteen six. he was directed to forego uh, Asia. All right, so forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go into the provinces of Asia and Bithynia, Paul and his companions were directed instead through Mysia, to, through the city of Troas. So it shows literally each step they took. There, Paul had a divine vision instructing him to go to Macedonia. I want you to turn to... Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10. The reason I'm doing this, gals, is because I don't ever want you to sit down and to listen to somebody just spoon feed you the word, and I don't ever want you to sit down and just listen and read a book without going to God's word, okay? And we're also going to look at what it means to test and approve everything that's taught. So in Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10, it says, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Okay, so Paul had a vision that he was to go to Macedonia. In this response to the Macedonian call, Paul and his assistants immediately set sail. At Philippi, which is now in Northern Greece, at Philippi, they encountered a group of God-fearing women. Now, from Philippi, they went to Thessalonica. Okay, and what we're going to do is we're going to see how Paul encountered people who helped him on this missionary journey as ladies who love Christ parking it bringing it right here to 2023 when you walk. In a relationship with the Lord, when you want to grow with the Lord, you're going to have people that are receptive to your message when you share the gospel. They're receptive, they're eager, they want to help you, right? In ministry. I there's so much that I could not do in ministry without the Lord blessing the ministry with women like Heather and, and so many others who want to step in and help, right? So it, it's really important to understand that people helped them as much as they encountered opposition and struggle and so many other things, beatings, then prison, and the list goes on and on and on. So we are going to go down towards the bottom of page 85. Uh, I'm going to finish reading that last little paragraph. They journeyed on to Thessalonica where their response to the gospel message was typical. It was a revival among the Greeks. It was a revival among the Greeks, and it was a lot of riots and opposition from the Jewish leaders. So in Thessalonica, Um, Paul was actually staying at the house of Jason, that's why I wanted to go there and visit, and he encountered great opposition from the Jews, they didn't like this message, they did not like the fact that people were being saved on account of the gospel, the good news, they rejected him, they opposed him, and they essentially ended up running him out, we're going to look at that deeper tonight. So they journeyed through Thessalonica. There was the revival among the Greeks. There was the hatred and anger and riots among the Jews. But God continued to use persecution and opposition to spread the good news of forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Listen to that. God used persecution and opposition to continue to spread the gospel. So often, not just in this time, in this culture and context, but right here, right now. So often we expect that when we're walking in a relationship with the Lord, it's going to be a smooth ride. It's going to be opposition free. There's not going to be any struggle. Hey, I'm walking with Jesus. Everything is good now. And the fact of the matter is, ladies, is that we are always going to encounter struggles and opposition and and things that we have to overcome. Most especially, please listen to this. Most especially, when we are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you're sharing the gospel of Jesus in a world culturally that is changing and societally is changing, our society, our culture, our world is changing at speeds that we cannot even keep up with. Changing in a bad way, rejecting the Messiah, rejecting Christ we're seeing these things play out so if you're going to effectively witness if you're going to effectively share the gospel you cannot realistically do so if you think that you're not going to have any opposition if you think that you're not going to have any struggle because clearly God uses from Paul's whole example God uses persecution and opposition to spread the good news of forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ so, the ruckus, the, the chaos that took place in Thessalonica pushed Paul and Silas onto Berea. Okay. It pushed them onto Berea. And we're going to look at that a lot closer tonight. It wasn't long before the Jews that ran him out of Thessalonica came, met him in Berea, and tried to run him out of Berea. Okay. So, they were following him, they had it out for him, they did not like him. At Mars Hill, Paul demonstrated his ability to be all things to all people, preaching the gospel, listen to this, of the resurrected Christ. Preaching the gospel of the resurrected Christ. When you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have to share, you have to effectively witness and share about the crucifixion and the resurrection. We're going to talk about that tonight too. He did this by using concepts in terms the Athenian philosophers could easily grasp. So when he moved on to Athens, we're going to talk about this in depth tonight. Uh, but when Paul moved on to Athens, scouts, yes, Athens was a culture that was extremely pagan. Any deity, any lowercase g, any lowercase god that people worshipped, any deity, any type of worship and religion, any type of idol worship, you name it, statues, in the words you see, the bronze statues, all of this, it was happening in Athens. So when Paul went to preach the gospel, the good news in Athens, he was not walking into a place where he was gonna be welcomed by all. He was walking into a hostile environment. He was walking into a place where people were gonna reject him in the message of the gospel. They were gonna reject Jesus Christ. He was going into this culture that was extremely paganistic and he was preaching Jesus Christ. Gals, if you are not aware of what is taking place, parking it, bringing it 2023, if you are not aware of what is taking place right now, right here in our world, you are experiencing and seeing the same things. People who are rejecting Christ, people who are rejecting his order, people who are rejecting his order for family, for male, for female, for God's for, for the sanctity of marriage. This is all taking place now amidst great idolatry and worship right here in a country that is no longer primarily Christian. People are, are, are renouncing their faith. People are calling on other, you know, uh, new age practices, you name it. And they're rejecting Jesus Christ. And that's happening right here, right now that's why i feel so strongly so strongly that we do this teaching on acts that we look at the opposition that we look at what the reality of sharing the gospel of jesus christ really is the reality of it being prepared for it knowing our foundation knowing who we serve and then effectively going out to witness because if you do not know your foundation if you do not know that you can't go out and effectively witness and right now our world desperately needs it desperately needs it so we're going to go verse by verse by verse through all of these different parts of Paul's missionary journey tonight if you are reading in the book I want you to turn to page 86 and we're going to bullet keys to the text after this I'm done reading and we're going to go and do the verse by verse and then I'm going to give you five lessons that can be learned from Paul's second missionary journey and as always I'm determined to have you gals up by 7 30 7 40 so that you can um, begin your evenings, right? So keys to the text, visions and God's will. Paul's Macedonian vision, which again, write down Acts 16, six, Acts chapter 16, verse six. Paul's Macedonian vision was the second of six visions received by Paul. And visions are experiences that are similar to dreams through which super in, uh, supernatural insider awareness is given by revelation. The difference between a dream and a vision is that a dream only occurs during sleep. A dream only occurs during sleep, while visions can happen while a person is awake. In the Bible, people who had visions were filled with a special consciousness of God. The most noteworthy examples in the Old Testament of recipients of visions are Ezekiel and Daniel. Visions in the New Testament are most prominent in the Gospels of Luke, the Book of Acts, and the Book of Revelation. The purpose of visions was to give guidance and direction to God's servants and to foretell the future, right? God's servants. I'm not saying new Agey stuff. I'm saying if these visions were for God's servants to know what were the steps they needed to take? What were the things that they needed to do? And then as we looked last week, write it down, make some notes. Last week, we looked at we don't buy a ready aim. What did we learn from Paul's first, first missionary journey, that we don't buy a ready aim, that we prepare our hearts, that we go before a holy and a righteous and a sovereign, completely in authority over all God. And we ask him, what is it that you want me to do? What is your will? Praying, fasting. We looked at the importance of fasting and what fasting does in the life of the believer, right? So it's extremely important to understand that these men These men that were growing the early church that the Lord was using to grow the early church, they were doing this bathed in prayer. They were doing this following God's will because they knew that they had to go before Him in prayer. They knew that they had to spend time alone with Him. They knew that they needed to know His word. Ladies, there's a message for you here. There's a message for you. Park in it, not in the notes. Sometimes, I say this lovingly, and I also say this to myself. Sometimes we give far too much of our time and our energy and our brain to things that are worthless, to forms of entertainment, to forms of of idolatry, listening to what everybody has to say about a particular issue sitting there and watching reels for hours, R-E-E-L-S, reels. My girls know what reels are. If you don't, it's okay. It's a social media video and you watch them and you waste time. This message is as much for me as it is for you. If we are going to be effective witnesses for the King of Kings, if we are going to go out in this world and emulate the example of Paul and so many others in the word, if we're going to effectively, effectively, that means, effectively doesn't mean just share it. Effectively means if we're going to clearly, simply, and eloquently share the gospel, we have to start to change our priorities we have to start to realize that now more than ever it is dire it's of dire importance that we get our children and our families into church that we don't buy the lie that you do not need the body of christ so we learn all of these things paul had his vision it was acts chapter 16 verse 6 and that is where he knew that he was to forego asia because he heard and he was given direct a direct vision that he was not to go there. Athens, we're going to talk about this more later, but Athens was literally where Socrates, um, philosophers in history, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, all of the philosophers. This is where they all lived. This is where they all function. Now, here's something to know about philosophers back then. Philosophers essentially means lover of knowledge. They were lovers of knowledge. They thought that they knew best. There was a lot of self-awareness and self-love and self, self, self. Anytime anything begins with self, ladies who love Christ, that is a red flag. There's nothing that I can ever do for myself. There's nothing good that I can ever do for myself. There's nothing I can ever know about myself. I, I direct everything to. to to Christ himself and ask him to search my heart. Is there anything impure in me? Take it out. So the philosophers were the opposite of that. They thought that they were just full of knowledge and education. They prioritized that. They were lovers of knowledge and they would take knowledge from anyone and everyone who was willing to listen. As as we talked about last week, when Paul went on his first missionary journey, And he was talking with a proconsul. He wasn't really interested. The proconsul wasn't really interested in hearing the gospel. He just wanted to garner and glean education and knowledge from anyone and, and everyone that he possibly could. That's what the philosophers did. So two other significant philosophers, Epicurus, who was the founder of Epicureanism, And Zeno, the founder of Stoicism, two of the dominant philosophies in that day. These were the two dominant philosophies that were in Athens. And Paul's going into Athens to preach Jesus Christ. We're going somewhere here. Okay. Epicurean philosophy taught that the chief end of man was the avoidance of pain. Epicureans taught that the chief, the whole entire purpose for man was the avoidance of pain. Epicureans were materialists. They did not deny the existence of God, but they believed he was not involved in the affairs of men. They believed that he was not involved in the affairs of men. When a person died, they believed one's body and soul disintegrated. Stoic philosophy, stoic philosophy or stoic, I should say, philosophy taught self-mastery, that the goal in life was to reach a place of indifference to pleasure or pain okay? It was also the religious center of grace. Any and every deity and lowercase g, lowercase gods that people wanted to worship, you were going to find it right here. It was literally a melting pot of that. Paul viewed Athens as a city of lost humanity. Now, God's taking him right into there, but he viewed it as a city of lost humanity. He viewed it as hopeless, right? These, these humans were doomed to a Christless eternity because of the rampant rampant pagan idolatry. Gals, please listen. If you're distracted on the other side of the screen, just listen. We are facing that same amount of idolatry now, if not more, because we have technology. We have thousands upon thousands of people speaking their ideologies, speaking their their viewpoints into our lives. Christians don't even know how to effectively share the gospel most of the time. If this is convicting, it's an opportunity for you to open the precious pages of scripture and to change that and to get before a holy and a righteous God in prayer. But if you are allowing others to speak into your life and you're not going to God's word and you're not surrounding yourself with a body of believers and you're not plugging in and you're not being purposeful to grow and to pray and to pass, if you're not doing these things if you're not essentially what this is is building a deep intimate relationship with the lord if you're not doing these things it is only a matter of time before you're going to fall prey to lies you're going to be so confused you're going to be mixing ideologies there's many 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 and if i lose you it is okay i am okay with that i started this session and this teaching knowing i'm okay with this If you are sitting in church on a Sunday and you are fighting and agreeing with things that diametrically are opposed to God's created order, you have bought a lie. Not just with male and female, not just with our gender ideology that is just running rampant right now, but with a created order of marriage between a man and a woman. If you are in disagreement with that, then you are in disagreement with God because God's word Reveals to us everything that we need to know. And you may not like that, and that's okay. Maybe that's something that challenges you. The things that convict us and challenge us are often the place where we can get on our knees before a holy and righteous God and say, I need to repent and I need to turn. I need to realize that I'm living in a pagan world. I need to realize that I am now not living in a Christian nation. I'm living in a pagan idolatry, idolatrous nation. But I want to effectively witness for Christ. So we already covered Paul's vision and what the difference between a vision and a dream is. We cover that in Acts chapter 16. Now we're going to turn to Acts chapter 16. I want you to turn in your Bibles. I want you to pull it up on your app. I prefer you to use your paper Bible. It does not spit back distractions. But wherever you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16. And we're going to start with the verse 16. And I'm going to read that to you. Acts 16, 16. Now it happened that as they were going to the place of prayer, a servant girl having a spirit of divination, okay, met us, who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune telling. Paul essentially met a slave girl and her master. She was making him lots of money by fortune telling, okay? This girl had a demon. Verse 17. Following after Paul, we're going to go ahead and read all the way through verse 24. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, these men are slaves of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Verse 18. And she continued doing this for many days, but being greatly annoyed, Paul turned and said to the spirit, said to the demons, I command you, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to leave her. So right here, you see that he cast out this demon and it left at that very moment. Verse 19, but when her master saw that their hope of profit had left, their hope of monetary gain, when her master saw that their hope of monetary gain had left, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. Verse 20, and when they brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and they are proclaiming customs that are not lawful for us to accept or observe, being Romans. Verse 22 and the crowd joined together to attack them. And the chief magistrates, tearing their garments off of them, proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. So now Paul sees this girl, she's she's has a demon. He cast the demon out literally in the name of Jesus Christ. You have to flee, you have to go. And they they hated this. They they're like, This guy's messing with our money, he's messing with our prophet. Um, so they beat them. And when they had inflicted, verse 23, and when they inflicted many wounds, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. Verse 24, who having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Essentially, that was like metal bars around their ankles. Their, their legs were separated. It was a very uncomfortable position. Um, and so they were beaten and then they were thrown into prison and then they were fastened, their feet were fastened in stocks. So this is Paul's second missionary journey. Let's talk about some opposition here. Let's talk about some real struggle here, okay? I want you guys to understand, and I, say, I, I don't say this lightly. There are various types of struggle in our walk. There are various types of struggle we're going to encounter. But what you're seeing in the pages of scripture is people who were martyred, people who were beaten, people who paid with their life on account of the message of Jesus Christ. Okay, so so all of this is happening and uh, he cast the demon out, you name it. This is great opposition, great, great opposition. But I want you to look at what happens in the midst of being beaten, in the midst of being jailed now, in the midst of all this happening, I want you to turn to verse 25. We're gonna look at the Philippian jailer, the the, the guard, essentially, the, the guard who was converted. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, if you're just jumping on. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Let's pause. Let's hit the pause button. What were Paul and Silas doing after all of this? Were they sitting there, curled up in a corner, crying and and complaining and yelling out at God? No, they were praying and they were worshiping. So now we see they've been beaten, really beaten. They're being really persecuted. Persecution that we are very blessed here in the United States not to have to endure. On account of of the message and name of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 25, it says, they prayed and they worshiped. They sought God because they knew I'm here, I'm in this place, and God knows I'm here because God is of all authority and all control. They prayed, write it down. They prayed and they worshiped. Acts 16, verse 25. Very powerful tucked in those verses, the response of Paul and Silas to opposition, the response, just right, Acts 16, 25, the response was prayer and worship, and then verse 26, and suddenly there came a great earthquake, that the foundations of the jailhouse, it was so severe, the foundations of the jailhouse were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened and when the jailer when the soul uh, the, the guard awoke and saw the prison doors open he drew his sword and was, was about to kill himself thinking that the prisoners had escaped so he wakes up he's like oh my gosh they're gone I, i'm i'm it's done for me i'm going to kill myself right and then in verse 28 but paul cried out with a loud voice saying do not harm yourself for we are here and he called for lights and rushed in And he called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down. Listen to this, before Paul and Silas, this soldier fell down before them. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your house. Just believe, just believe. And you and your house will be saved. Verse 32, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him. They spoke the word of the Lord to him, they spoke the gospel, they spoke the good news, and they knew the good news, because they were prepared, they were not ill-equipped, they were prepared. A lesson here for all of us, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his household, in verse 33, and he took them to that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all of his household, it's amazing, And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly with his whole household because he had believed in God. Because he had believed in God. So the first lesson in those those verses I want you girls to write is the response of Paul and Silas because we can all learn something from that. The response of Paul and Silas, prayer and worship. And then I want you to write another bullet and write Acts chapter 16, verses 25, uh, or 26 through 33, God can use you, and God can save someone in the most unlikely of places. Here's Paul on his second missionary journey in jail, beaten to a pulp, absolutely being persecuted to the, like, utmost degree and god can use you in the most unlikely places he used paul and he can save you in the most unlikely places he used paul and these men were prayed up they were prayed up because they knew that god was an authority and that god would go before them what is the message for us it is not on our own strength it is not on our own strength that we do things ladies it's not on our own strength that we share the gospel. We know that God goes before us, and maybe there's somebody in your life parking at 2023. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you've lost hope for. When Paul approached Athens, he said, these people are hopeless. These people, this is a pagan nation. There's no hope here, right? They're not going to see Christ, but you know what? The Lord can do amazing things. And the people that we often give up on, the Lord has a plan for. Do not give up. God goes before you. Bathe it in prayer. Bathe it in prayer. God can save someone in the most unlikely place. Now turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. This is where Paul and Silas were in Thessalonica. Let me get there myself. They're thrown out by the angry Jews. They go to preach in the synagogues. They're rejected, they're at the house of Jason and they're utterly rejected again. So when they traveled through Amophilus and, and uh, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews, Acts 17 verse two. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them. And for three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Listen to that. He reasoned with them from the scriptures. He didn't reason with them from his own head knowledge. He didn't reason with them from his his own uh, eloquent thoughts. So often we think, what do we have to do to bring someone to Christ? He reasoned with them from the scriptures. Write it down from the scriptures. Ladies, everything you ever need to effectively share the gospel, the hope of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, And literally God's plan to redeem humanity to himself. Everything that you need to know is in the scriptures. In verse two, it says right there, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Verse three, explaining and setting before them that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you is that Christ. This is him. This is the Messiah, the anointed one. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with a great multitude of God-fearing Greeks and not a a few of the leading women. But the Jews becoming jealous, verse 5, okay, taking along some wicked men from the marketplace and forming a mob, set the city in an uproar. And attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the assembly. And when they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brothers before the city authorities shouting, these men Who have upset the world. Listen to those words. These men who have upset the world have come here also. Verse seven And Jason has welcomed them, and they are all at contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, Jesus. And they disturbed the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things. And when they received the bond from Jason and others, they relieved them. So essentially, Paul had to go from Thessalonica to Berea because he was run out. And the same Jews that ran him out of Thessalonica met him in Berea and caused a ruckus there, caused an uproar there, okay? So do you want to talk about everywhere Paul went? He was facing some form of of opposition. So then he goes on to Berea. Berea, as you read and continue to read in Acts chapter 17, they were much more receptive. They were much more receptive to Paul's message. In Acts chapter 17, verse 12, it says, therefore many of them in Berea believed along with not a few prominent Greek women and men. So even despite the opposition, people were believing. People were accepting this gospel. People were accepting the good news. But do you not think that Paul needed to have strength to go into these places, parking it, bringing it here, we have to have strength now, and we are not going to get that strength from ourselves, girls. To go out and share Christ, we will never get that strength out of our own uh, fortitude and our own efforts. We can only be equipped and fueled up to witness and to serve Christ. As, as effectively and as well and as much as we are spending time with him. I hope you heard that. As much time as we are taking in, in bathing our day and bathing our schedules and bathing our plans and prayer and saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Who is it that you have for me today? Let me have an encounter with somebody. Let me be willing to slow down and to listen and to be aware of what's happening around me and not so self-absorbed in my day that I miss an opportunity to share the gospel. Because can I challenge you, gals? I'm going to challenge you. I'm not going to ask. I'm going to do it. I am going to challenge you that to share Christ, to share him in this volatile world, is to do so with a heart that puts Jesus above all else, before all else, before your calendar, before your schedule, before your plans, before your events, before it all. And you are saying, Lord, my life is yours. My day is yours. My minutes, my seconds, my time, they're yours. You have to be willing to get uncomfortable. You have to be willing to get uncomfortable. So Acts 17, three, the Jews come from Thessalonica, hearing that they they showed up. And again, they start disturbing the crowds. They start creating issues. We're going to fast forward. You can read all about Paul's journey through Berea. We're going to fast forward to Acts chapter 17, verse 16 in Athens now. And I'm going to read this to you. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. With the Jews, with the God-fearing Gentiles, listen to that, in the marketplace, with those who just happened to be present. Paul was willing to share the gospel with anyone, believers, non-believers, anyone who was there. He was willing to share. And then verse 18, and also some of the Epicurean and Stoic, as we talked about earlier, philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was proclaiming the good news of Jesus and the resurrection. So here they are in all of their knowledge, all of their their self-proclaimed knowledge, head knowledge, right? Trying to reason all of this away. And they took him and brought him to the Arapagus saying, "May, may we know what this new teaching is that you are speaking of. Verse 20, for you're bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what these things mean. Verse 21, now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or he- hearing something newer. Now listen to that. All the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something newer. Pay attention to that. Don't miss that something newer. They were philosophers. They wanted the next best thing. They wanted the next new thing. Let me tell you something. It is the gospel, the good news of Jesus that saves. It is Jesus Christ, King of Kings that saves. And that message from Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament to new, right here, right now, is as pertinent and as as fresh, if you want to say, for lack of a better word, as it ever will be. The gospel does not change. They wanted something new. They wanted something different. Right? What's the next best thing? Keep listening, Acts chapter 17, verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, "Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects." Verse 23, for while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God, is what this altar said, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship is ignorance, this I proclaim to you. So Paul sets the stage to tell them, you are idol worshipers, and your idol worship and your statues are worthless. You are seeing a world around you, ladies, full of idol worshipers, full of people that are looking for a newer way, full of people that are looking to themselves for the answer and not to the king. We know that there is one way. There's one way. So Paul lays the foundation and he says, this is ignorance. Write it down. Paul called this, this idol worship, ignorance. Acts 17, verse 23, ignorance. And then he goes on in, in verses 17, I'm sorry, chapter 17, verses 24 through 31. Acts 17, verses 24 through 31. Paul goes on to make his claim about the creator of the universe. Now we're almost done, gals, we're almost done because I did wanna go verse by verse tonight. Because this is so, there's so much to glean from the second journey in these passages, so much. Paul makes this claim about the creator of the universe. And here's what he said. Listen to this. And I want you to listen with without distraction. I'm gonna ask you to please not be distracted, because he is giving the gospel message and he is speaking to straight up pagan, pagan views and idolatry. And he said, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. He does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Life and breath and all things. He is the creator overall. He doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't mean anything from us and he made from one man every nation of mankind to inhabit all the face of the earth and having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that means that your placement your location right here right now was absolutely predestined by the creator of the universe it was predestined by God there are no mistakes there are no accidents God placed you right here right now for a time such as this and that is why I'm so emphatic that you are ready that you are ready because God has placed you in a world that is turning from him faster than they are turning to him. This is, this is very, very weighty, important stuff. If you're missing it, I say it with all love and all respect. Your head is in the sand. And he made from one man every nation, right? He determined their appointed times, verse 27, that they would seek God. Not that that we would seek all the things we seek, that they would seek God. If perhaps they might grow from him and find him, though he's not far from each of us. He is not far from each of us, verse 28. For in him we live and we move and we exist. Do you believe this, gals, about our creator? For in him, we live and we move and we exist. He is our purpose. He is our end game. He is our our vision. He is why we do what we do with the Lord Jesus Christ, the word, the logos in mind, not all of the things that buy for our attention and try, try so very hard to distract us for in him we live and we move and we exist and even some of your own poets have said for we are also of his offspring and then he says to them being then the offspring of God we ought not to suppose that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone an image formed by the craft and thought of man so what he's saying is listen to that being that we are the offspring of God We ought not to believe that the divine nature could be made into gold or silver or stone or wood. He's saying, don't idolize And and today it's not. Listen, somebody listen, because I'm about to go off. It is not maybe stones of bronze and silver today, but today it's celebrities. It's idolizing celebrities. It's idolizing people. It's idolizing influencers. It's allowing people's ideologies to slowly, slowly, slowly drip away at your life and your family and your children and the enemy wears you down and you get tired and you stop plugging in with other believers and you stop going to church and you somehow convince yourself that it's not important to go to church. And then you're not reading God's word. You're not studying his word, but you spend so much time on wheels that you start to buy the lies of other people that speak into your life through devices, through devices and generation after generation gets weaker and gets weaker. This is a message for somebody. There is an idolatrous world that we are living in right now. I pray tonight that you're willing to dig deep and stick through the study. We are living in an idolatrous world. But see in verse 29, being then the offspring of God, we ought not to suppose that you can ever craft him into anything that man could ever think of. You cannot box God. You cannot contain God. Verse 30, therefore having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now commanding men, that everyone everywhere should repent. 31, because he has fixed a day, listen to this, he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he determined, having furnished proof to all by raising him from the dead. Say it with me in your homes, in your rooms, right here, right now, Jesus Christ, ladies. You are going to live for Jesus or you're gonna live for this world. What a response of Paul turn to page 95 in the book and this is quick from here on out what a response of paul in this pagan culture to go in ready and prepared knowing his foundation prayed up worshipped up and to answer answer them I want you gals to write down Acts 17 24 through 31 I want you to read it every night for like the next two weeks, I want you to commit that to heart. Because that is the message that people are searching for, even when they don't know it they're searching for Jesus and don't you ever say a situation is hopeless. I'm seeing the Lord do things in my life with people I love personally, with people I love deeply and dearly that I never thought in my lifetime I would see happen. You don't determine a person's life. God does. You just need to be a willing a willing vessel. Write it down. I need to be a willing vessel. I need to be willing to speak the truth. I need to be willing and ready to share the gospel when God calls me to do it. On page 95, through the questions, number one is simply this. It's found in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. The question is, what motivated Paul to go on a second missionary journey? Paul recognized that he had a responsibility to help new believers grow. Paul recognized that he had a responsibility to help new believers grow. Remember, Paul was evangelizing. We're not all called to be evangelists, but we certainly are all called to witness. But in his evangelistic journey, he recognized that these new believers needed to be nurtured. They needed to grow in God's word. They needed to have a mentor, um, uh, for lack of a better word, somebody that they could look to and, and, and get guidance and an example from. Okay. So he recognized this need. But don't you miss that on that second missionary journey, Paul preached to the Jews. Paul preached to the Greeks. He preached to the people in the squares. He preached to anyone who was willing to listen. And he did so boldly. And he did so in the midst of great, great persecution. Number two, how did Paul and his team end up in Philippi and what key events happened there? After Paul's vision, calling him to go to Macedonia. Philippi was the foremost city of this part of Macedonia, now known as Northern Greece. But Paul's vision. Paul had the vision that we talked about in Acts 16.6. Got a vision. He was quiet and he was still on himself before the Lord. He wasn't planning his own second missionary journey on his own strength. We aren't to do things on our own strength, bringing it here and now. If you think that you can effectively witness for Christ in the world that we're in today, apart from prayer, apart from God's word, and apart from building a true, deep, rich, intimate, above all else, before all else, relationship with him, you are sorely mistaken. And I say that in love. Everything I'm saying is in love. But I'm preaching some tough stuff tonight and teaching, I should say, some tough tough stuff. Because ladies, I think that we are getting real comfortable in our world and in our our country. Let's bring it right here. Good old U.S. of A. We're getting real comfortable with all the things and we're blaspheming a holy and a righteous God. And girls, you are the ones who are gonna go out, prayed up and witness when God provides those opportunities for you. And maybe it's in your home, maybe it's in your workplace, maybe it's with your children. I don't know, God does, but it is not something to take lightly. It is not something to take lightly. So then we're only gonna do the first three questions together. What happened in Philippi? The Roman soldier was saved in the midst of Paul being in prison, in the midst of him doing the right thing and ending up there, how often do we do the right thing? How often do we take the next right step? And we end up and we're like, wait a second, how am I here? What, why is this happening to me? Can you imagine how Paul felt beaten and in prison? But God can use you anywhere and God can save you anywhere. And he saved this Roman soldier. And then lastly, in the very back of the book, there's a going deeper section. And I'm just going to touch on it again because I don't know if we have new girls here. I know many of you watch and listen after the life study is over. Maybe you're on the podcast and you're tuning in. I want you to understand that I always say this, and this is very, very true. The Old Testament often illuminates the New Testament. You cannot detach the Old Testament from the New, Genesis to Revelation. The Old Testament points to what Jesus Christ did for us, and it points to the New Testament. That is all extremely, extremely important. And then as we close, this is the last thing I have for you, gals. And I'll probably wrap it up in about five to 10 minutes at the most. Five lessons that we can glean, and this is not in your book. This is just something I wrote out. Five lessons that we can learn and glean from Paul's second journey. Number one, get ready. Number one, learn to speak the gospel simply and plainly. Never forget the crucifixion and the resurrection because that's where the power is. That's why I said to you, I want you to go back to Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 31. Read it again, again, and again. Write it out on note cards. Be able to effectively, simply, and plainly witness and share the gospel. That's number one. Number two: Always. Always, 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 always. Persevere and put your hope in God. Paul would have crumbled on that journey. Paul wouldn't have made it through being run out of town after town after town, prisons, beatings, opposition, riots. So often we say that we're persecuted here, but ladies, when you read these stories, you really understand what persecution is. Always persevere and put your hope and trust in God. Even when you're facing great opposition, even when things don't make sense, God goes before you. Paul knew that, Silas knew that. Do you know that? that even when it looks out of control, that God goes before you and he is holy and he's righteous and he is in authority. He knows what you need before you will ever know what you need. He knows what is best for you before you will ever know what is best for you. Number three, very important one. Question and test everything that is spoken into your life against the scriptures. Question and test everything that is spoken into your life against the scriptures. Essentially, be like the Boreans who searched the scriptures. Remember, they were they were a lot more receptive to Paul and his message. They searched the scriptures. Now more than ever, do not allow just anyone to speak into your life. There are a lot of people. I watch and I listen a lot because I'm in ministry and I'm leading this ministry. I have to, and there are so many people that are putting out content that is misleading and it is false in regards to the gospel. They're putting out content, they're putting out writings, they're putting out blogs, reels, stories, and they're false. There is a false gospel out there and there's the true gospel. But if you do not know God's word, you will not know when you're being spoon-fed literally lies. You're not going to know it. Test everything against the scriptures. Number 4, you are going. Write it down. I am going to face opposition. Change your mindset from I'm following Christ, I don't have any opposition now to I'm following Christ, I am going to have opposition. You will face denial. You will face people that, that, that uh, literally reject what you have to say and share, especially when it comes to Christ. You will be rejected for that. Be ready for it. Be okay with it. Stay prayed up. Write it down. Stay prayed up. Stay strengthened in God's word. This is still for. Stay strengthened in his word. How do you do it? Stay prayed up. Stay strengthened in God's word. Lead by action and example. It is not your job to sit there and force somebody. It is your job to share the hope that you have. Paul shared with people who beat him. He shared with people who rejected him. He shared with people who literally didn't want to hear what he had to say. But uh, he also shared with people like that Roman soldier who fell on their knees, who called on the name of Christ, who came to know Jesus, who accepted Jesus, and his family accepted Jesus, and Greeks accepting Christ, and Jews accepting Christ. You'll be rejected a lot, but there are people who will listen. Be ready. Number five. Last one, God is with his people, write it. God is with his people. God is with me. He goes before you. If you truly, truly believe God's word and you truly believe that he is sovereign and full and complete authority, then you know that he goes before you. Pray for opportunities to minister and to witness Pray for those opportunities. And ladies, let me challenge you, some of those opportunities are in your own family. I prayed for that. I'm seeing things with people that I love dearly that I never, genuinely never thought I would see. Never give up hope and recognize it's not your own strength. It's not your own strength. It's a pure and willing heart that's literally Lays itself down before the Lord and says, My life, everything I do is at your feet. Use it. Do with it what you will. God is in the midst of every encounter in our lives. God is in the midst of every encounter of our lives. Ladies, He has been in the midst of the highs in my life and we're ending. He's been in the midst of the highs of my life. And he has been in the midst of the times where I thought physically, I mean it. I thought my heart would tangibly, physically break into. He's been there. And sometimes it was years before I saw the full picture. And I can sit here tonight and I can say with every bit in me that God goes before you. That you're living in an appointed time that he chose. My prayer for you girls, my prayer for this ministry is that we get women who are so saturated in God's word, so prayed up, so fervent, so hungry, that we go out and we're effective witnesses for Christ. And we live for who matters and we don't live for all the junk that doesn't. I want you to write down four scriptures tonight, Isaiah 45, 20, Old Testament. Isaiah 45, 20. It says ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood and pray to gods who cannot save. Ignorant are those who pray to gods who cannot save. Let me tell you something. Right now, this might be convicting to some of y'all. There are some of you that like to go to psychics I've actually heard of people that say they're believers that go to psychics. We are not to engage in the new age. We are not to engage with psychics. We are not to engage with fortune tellers. That's demonic and that's evil. That's idolatry. That's looking at other gods, lowercase g. Because we know there is but one God. Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you go to people who can't tell you your future. You go to people who can't save you. If you're doing that, that demonic evil stops now. Jonah 2.8, write it down. Again, Old Testament, Jonah 2.8. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away God's love from them. God says in his word, I'm a jealous God. We are not to give. Our affections and our time and our energy and our mind to anything other than him. We're not to seek what people think, we're not to seek all of the many, many adult, uh, idolatrous pagan ways that our world is seeking now. We're not to do that. First Corinthians 10:14 and first John 5:21. 1 Corinthians 10:14 and 1 John 5:21 both urge us to keep ourselves from and flee from keep ourselves from and flee from idols. Ladies, I know that was weighty tonight. Um, it was very different and it did add some time going verse by verse there's no better way to study God's word than to sit down and go verse by verse, time, culture, context. We learned about the importance of prayer and worship in the midst of opposition. Through Paul's second journey, we learned that. We learned that we are going to have opposition. We are going to have struggles. Don't be shocked by it. Be ready for it. Be ready for it. Pray up. Stay in God's word. We learned. That we prioritize Jesus Christ, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. That we stop going to our devices to get the gospel. Stop going to people you don't know. You don't know their doctrines. You don't know their theology. You don't know if it's biblically sound. And going back to the lessons I gave you at the end, you test and approve everything against the word of God. You test and approve everything against the scriptures. And you understand That God himself, creator of the universe, has placed you, strategically placed you here and now. And girls, if you are not seeing the shift, if you are not seeing the shift in our our country, if you are not seeing the shift of people mocking God, blaspheming God, blaspheming his ways, blaspheming his ways trying to literally distort the scriptures to take what God said was beautiful man woman marriage family all the way to the gender identity wars that are raging we know that God created male and female and you know why that's an attack on God listen closely Please, please just hang with me for one more minute. Why is that an attack on God? Because God's word so clearly says he created them male and female in his image. They're attacking God's very image. You have to know his word. You have to know the gospel. And now more than ever, you've got to pray up about the mission and the the, the place that he has for you in all of this. And you've got to get serious about your walk with him. I feel it so strongly. We all have to get very, very, very serious about our relationship with Jesus Christ and our walk with him and our study of his word. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I thank you for what you did tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you sent us Jesus Christ through his life, death, and resurrection, that, Lord, he took on the sins of the world. He took on my sins. He took on all of these women here for us, Heavenly Father. You made a way where there was no other way. You bridged the gap. We were lost and literally dead in our trespasses, Heavenly Father, but through Christ and Christ alone, there is no other name. There is no other name by which a person can be saved. I pray, Lord, that the women here tonight understand that maybe somebody's watching that has never called on the name of Jesus Christ and she wants to accept him. Just acknowledge, acknowledge your sin, acknowledge your need. Believe, believe on the name of Jesus Christ. Believe that the Lord sent him to make a way where there was no other. There's nothing you can do grace, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, charis, favor. It is strictly and, and only by his unmerited favor and grace. All you have to do is accept that free gift. So opposed to what we, we believe, Lord. Confess your sins. Confess him as Lord over your life. Lay down the past. Lay down the sins. Lay down the things and follow him. Follow him, girls. Follow him with your whole heart, with every beat, all of your seconds in your day, all of your seconds. Take all of your seconds and dedicate them to him. Your vocation and your location is on purpose. It's not an accident. He'll use it. Lord, I pray that you just be with these women. I pray that you go before them starting right now when we stop our study, that that you just go before them as they come before you to build a relationship and intimacy and and direct them. We're all called to witness and our world is hurting and in dire need of Jesus Christ. Our world is searching for Jesus and we have that hope. So let us, as I said tonight, simply and plainly and clearly and effectively share the hope that we have, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for what you did tonight. You are so holy, and you are so righteous, and you are so, so, so worthy of our praise. In Jesus' beautiful and precious and holy name I pray. Amen. All right, girls. I was close. 7.45. Whew. Hold on. Let me end. If you're listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube, yes, that was a doozy. It was a long one. I'm so grateful you hung in. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Um, We really appreciate that because it helps us reach more with our studies, share the study with a friend, and we're so grateful that you found the ministry. To learn more, you can visit ladieswholovechrist.com. Again, that's ladieswholovechrist.com. Have a great evening.